Welcome to this edition of DBSA's Real Recovery Podcast. For more information, visit us on our website, www.dbsalliance.org. We've been there. We can help. Hi, everyone. I'm Shira Rader, Programs and Communications Coordinator of the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. The focus of today's DBSA Real Recovery Podcast is sleep. Joining me is Dr. John Grohal, who will be sharing the latest research on the impact of sleep on mood disorders and what you can do to get a better night's rest. Dr. Grohal is the founder and CEO of PsychCentral.com, the oldest peer-reviewed psychology and mental health network on the Internet. Started in 1992, it now has an original content library of over 80,000 articles on mental health symptoms and treatments, psychology and relationship topics, as well as original news, interactive online quizzes, and a vibrant online self-help support community. Dr. Grohal is an author, researcher, and expert in mental health online, and has been writing about mental health and psychology issues since 1992. Hello, John. We're incredibly honored to have you with us today. Great to be here. Thank you. Dr. Grohal, there's an old proverb that says, a good laugh and a long sleep are the best cures in the doctor's book. Is there any truth to that? Well, sleep is a a very important component of our daily lives and activities, and it's something that a lot of us, um, unfortunately, kind of take for granted. And um, we don't just – I don't know that we realize exactly how powerful and beneficial getting a good night's sleep is, um, not only for our our minds, but also for our bodies, Um, because when you're tired, you really can't function at your best. Um, you you can lose focus. You um, will have slower reflexes and things like that. Um, so it's it's really important. A good night's sleep helps with your attention and focus. Um, it helps with your ability to um, reason and problem solve. And really, uh, for many people, good night's sleep also helps them pay attention to detail the next day, and whether they're at work or school. Um, people who get good night's sleep tend to be more productive in their day. Um, and it's just not your brain that sleep uh, impacts. Uh, sleep also impacts every component of our bodies, too. And uh, we don't quite understand exactly how Sleep rejuvenates everything, um, but we do know that it um, affects our, our stress hormones, our immune system, our appetite, our blood pressure, and cardiovascular health. So um, if, you, if you lack sleep, if you're not getting a good night's sleep, um, we find uh, the research has found that you're at greater risk for things like obesity, heart disease, and even infections. Why is getting good sleep especially important for individuals with mood disorders? Well, sleep helps in a number of ways. It helps us keep regular routines, um, which are really important for a lot of people who are grappling with with a with a mental health problem such as a, a mood disorder. For instance, people with bipolar disorder. Um, they may find it very helpful to be on a, um, you know, to be on a regular schedule and to have a, a routine that um, 
that helps them maintain their level mood over over the day. And so um, one of the things that helps maintain that, that ability to keep that routine, actually, is uh, good old sleep. Um, maintaining regular sleep patterns um, can be very valuable and helpful in in being able to um, keep your body's circadian system uh, or, you know, what a lot of people call our internal clocks synchronized. And um, if you don't get that consistent sleep, then it can upset that the circadian system, um, which can then uh, affect your, your, your daily awakening and your routines that throughout the day. Um, other research has found that um, if you're not getting a good night's sleep, you could be at greater risk for um, having uh, this kind of emotional control that we tend to associate with people who um, who, who may not have a mental health issue. So um, people who have bipolar disorder or depression, um, a lot of times their emotional control systems are a little bit um, not as in good um, order as, as people without depression or bipolar disorder. And one of the things that helps maintain our emotional control systems is, again, sleep. People who are not getting enough sleep, um, and when I say getting enough sleep, I'm basically talking about seven to eight, maybe even nine hours a day, although the exact num- number kind of varies from person to person. Um, but if you're not getting enough sleep, your emotional control centers apparently um, aren't as effective. And so you wouldn't be able to really maintain the, the emotional control that a person with, for instance, bipolar disorder um, might be really grappling with. Um, people with depression, too, they're looking for ways to um, not let that emotional um, not let the emotional weight of the world sort of um, affect them as much from day to day. And and one of the ways you do that is through your emotional control system. So those are a couple of the ways that people with with, uh, mood disorders find beneficial um, by getting enough sleep, really important to to help maintain um, uh, these, these routines and, and emotional control systems. So when you say emotional control systems, it sounds like you're saying that um, basically lack of sleep can undermine any other efforts you're making to uh, lead a stable life and to regulate your emotions. We have to understand that there's a lot of things that are going on in our brain that we're not consciously aware of, you know, in every waking moment. Um, and we don't, I don't pretend that we understand, um, you know, more than 10% of how the brain works today. We're, we're certainly still at the very early stages of, of understanding how, um, our brains really function. But, um, the research that we've done to date has suggested that, you know, our brains are still sort of hardwired for very old kinds of responses. Um, and one of those old kinds of, of responses is called the, the fight-or-flight reflex. Um, and what, what we find that if we're not getting enough sleep, um, this uh, 
sort of upsets that that very old control system, um, which uh, which uh, which keeps us in sort of a alert state throughout the day. Um, if if we're not getting enough sleep, we're not getting the kinds of chemicals that we are that we need to calm down this this reflex. Um, and so what that make, means is that a person who uh, isn't getting enough sleep may be a greater risk for um, being more anxious throughout the day, um, not being able to sort of have that sort of basic emotional control that they're used to having when they have a good night's sleep. That might mean being more reactive to, um, you know, what someone says to you and taking it sort of the wrong way, um, uh, looking at the emotional content of what people are, are, are talking to you rather than the, um, the, uh, the non-emotional content, the rational content, for instance, um, and really kind of maybe personalizing things that weren't meant uh, to be personalized. Um, so, for instance, you go into work one day and the boss criticizes something that you did, and when you're when you didn't get enough sleep that previous night, you might take that in a very emotional way and take that very personally, um, playing into uh, some of the cognitive um, uh, the, the, the 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 cognitive lies that we tell ourselves when when we are when we have a, a mood disorder such as depression. So, again, sleep uh, helps us maintain that emotional control over those kinds of everyday. Um, criticisms and stuff and, 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 and allows us to take a step back and objectively look at that criticism and say, oh, you know, they're not criticizing me as a person. They're criticizing the, the fact that maybe I didn't perform that task uh, quite as well or, or quite as expected as what my boss expected me to. Um, and so that's how it's important to, to maintain those emotional control systems on a day-to-day basis, and we have found, the research has found, that sleep is just one of those critically important but overlooked things that that um, help maintain those systems. Is there um, any research or other evidence to suggest that um, um, poor sleep can have a destabilizing effect on individuals with bipolar disorder? Sure, Absolutely. Again, it's not something that a lot of uh, mental health providers will talk about uh, directly, um, but it's something that we'll just say, uh, hey, it's really important to get a good night's sleep um, without going into all these, you know, kind of uh, details as to why it's important. But the research to date that we that we know today is, is that um, – Sleep just impacts all these different systems in our body, um, and so um, people with mood disorders like bipolar, um, some of those they're just more sensitive to some of those systems being out of whack. So it's really, really beneficial that they um, work on ways to um, improve their sleep and make sure that they uh, have a, a routine sleeping schedule and uh, sleep routine. Can you tell us a, a bit about interpersonal and social rhythm therapy and how it can be helpful in treating uh, sleep difficulties? Sure. Interpersonal and social rhythm therapy is a specific type of psychotherapy developed to help people with bipolar disorder. 
Its focus is really on helping people identify and maintain the regular routines of everyday life. Uh, and, and, of course, that in, importantly includes sleep patterns. Um, and the therapy is also focused on helping solve interpersonal issues and problems that may arise um, from, a per- from that person's routines. So it's really, um, it's really an interesting therapy that's, uh, that, that's found on the belief that, you know, disruptions of our circadian rhythms um, and sleep deprivation itself may really provoke or exacerbate the symptoms commonly associated with bipolar disorder. So it's not surprising, given what we've talked about, um, the importance of, of circadian rhythms and the importance of good sleep, that um, there's this kind of treatment that focuses on helping people really understand how their sleep might impact their mood cycles and, and their mood patterns. So in um, this specific kind of therapy, the therapist works with the client to better understand the importance of these rhythms and routines in our in our life, including uh, routines of like eating and uh, going to work or school, um, and of course sleeping. Um, the, I guess one of the main components of the therapy is that uh, a client is is taught to track their their everyday moods, um, and you know, 20 years ago, this kind of tracking was done primarily on, on pencil and paper, but nowadays it's, it's um, more often done uh, electronically, either through a mood tracker such as the one um, that you guys have, or um, uh, even there are even apps available and whatnot to uh, to help track your moods. And the, the key of tracking the moods is to help identify um, you know patterns of behavior and, and and the routines of our everyday lives because we often go through our everyday lives without really taking much of a look at them and understanding how the patterns impact um, both our our moods and our thoughts. Um, so this kind of therapy is really meant to help um, bring a greater awareness and focus on these uh, these very important kinds of things that um, can really impact our ability to uh, be well and uh, feel better, especially if we're dealing with um, something as serious as bipolar disorder. And there's many therapists who um, practice this, and so it's one of the things you, you might ask a, a therapist if you're going to see them for the first time. You know, is this a, a type of therapy you're familiar with, and, and can we do this um, in therapy? Because a lot of times, I, I guess, people with bipolar disorder don't think that there's um, much help that they can get through psychotherapy, um, and they, they focus on, you know, uh, treatment through medications. Um, but I would, I, I would actively encourage people to consider the benefits of trying psychotherapy if they haven't already, and if they have, um, to certainly try a different form of psychotherapy if a previous uh, psychotherapy attempts have not been successful um, because um, it, uh, oftentimes the type of psychotherapy you try is almost as important as um, finding the right therapist as well. So, Are there any other tips that you think would be particularly helpful for those currently struggling to get a good night's rest? 
there are a lot of things that a person can do to um, try and help improve their sleep, especially on their own. They, you don't need a therapist or a professional to to really help you with this. Um, one of the main things is to establish a sleep routine um, and to get into a routine of of going to bed at, at the same time every day and waking up at the same time every morning. Um, it really helps your body understand that it's time to slow things down, to start shutting down your brain circuits and your neurons, and to start um, focusing on the fact that it's going to be going to sleep and unconsciousness and hopefully find some REM sleep in there. So that routine, that end-of-the-day routine, that end of uh, the preparing-to-go-to-bed routine, very important. Make sure you establish one. If you um, if you're the kind of person who goes to bed, you know, at 9 p.m. one night and and 1 a.m. another night, that's that's one of the things that could be hurting your your ability to get a good night's sleep. So, um, a second thing is uh, people really forget how much caffeine that we're um, imbibing throughout the day, and uh, forget all the different kinds of products that caffeine can be found in. You know, ranging from chocolate to coffee to tea to um, you name it. So um, experts typically recommend that a person not uh, have any caffeine uh, at least um, six to even eight hours ahead of sleep time uh, because caffeine can remain in your system for uh, a longer time than than I think a lot of people realize and um, a part of their troubles um, falling asleep or staying asleep might be caffeine related. So it's good to try and uh, really cut out and cut down on the caffeine, especially as you get you go in uh, later throughout the day. Um, also, if you are on medication, check uh, the medications that you're taking because sometimes um, certain medications, uh, one of the side effects can be sleep disruption and that would be something that you'd want to talk to your doctor about next time you see him or her um, to to understand how um, that medication might be impacting your sleep and uh, to find uh, a remedy for that if if you suspect that maybe it's uh, really a, a medication-related issue. Um, sometimes a lot of people uh, have trouble getting to sleep um, because they're, they, they say they can't turn off their mind. Um, they're 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 thinking about all the day's events. They're um, they're they're worrying about tomorrow. They're worrying about uh, this, that, and the other thing, and um, they just can't shut it off. So one of the things that might be helpful in that situation is to try and start writing down some of these um, worries that you're having and uh, putting them into like a little journal next to your bedside table where you can just sort of write down all of your day's worries and thoughts. And by by the process of writing, even though it may not seem uh, intuitive, it can help um, get it out of your head at least temporarily so you can kind of clear your head and uh, be able to, to fall asleep more quickly. Um, some people like to listen to um, uh, very soft music or something playing in the background. Um, There's a lot of clock radios and stuff that allow you to sort of fall asleep um, with music playing. 
um, or your smartphone can do that. And um, for some people, that might be something to consider. Um, another important thing uh, is to ensure that you try and have a dark, dark bedroom. Um, too often, uh, people uh, are sleeping in bedrooms that have a lot of little LED lights lit up on different uh, appliances and components. And there's actually been research to show that um, uh, if you sleep in a room with all those little LED lights shining all night long, um, they can actually impact your sleep. That that little amount of light that just doesn't seem like uh, very much um, can actually have a negative impact on your sleep and your sleep quality. So it's not a hard thing to be able to... Um, uh, get a little piece of uh, black electrical tape and uh, cut a little piece off and put that over any kind of LED lights you have in your bedroom. Um, and also make sure you have curtains or blinds, something that you can really close out all the outside light. If you if you live in a city or a town where you have uh, street lights or some other kind of outdoor light shining into your bedroom, um, try and get that out of your, your bedroom as well. Um, people just don't even realize um, or understand the impact that all this external light has, and um, it might be uh, it, it might Im- impact different people differently. So uh, one person might be more sensitive to it than another person. But if you're having trouble sleeping, it's definitely one of those things to to give a try and see if it might help. Um, other people um, who have trouble sleeping sometimes like to try a relaxation technique. Um, There's many, many to choose from. I can't go through uh, all of them here, but I I can point you to to one or two um, relaxation techniques that seem to be really helpful to people trying to fall asleep. One is called imagery. And imagery is really just imagining yourself in a a nice, quiet, relaxing, um, safe place that you've been previously in your life, Um, and it's really recalling the details of that image and that place in your mind as you're trying to fall asleep and and really allowing yourself to sort of be transported back to that place using your imagination. That, um, you know, and those places could be a a quiet uh, field somewhere, could be on the beach maybe, Um, uh, different places work for different people. And it helps to try and imagine a place that might work for you. Um, you can find detailed information about how to do imagery or the next technique that I talk about on our website, psychcentral.com. Um, we have lists of, of all these techniques and how to actually walk through them step by step. Um, the other technique I might mention is um, called progressive muscle relaxation. And in, in that technique, you... Um, you imagine all the stress and anxiety leaving from groups of muscles in your body. And it's a really effective um, uh, technique to, to learn and to practice on yourself as you're trying to fall asleep because it not only helps you become more relaxed, but it um, relieves tension and anxiety in your body at the same time. So it's, it's a wonderful um, technique to try. And again, there's more information on our website to learn how to do that. Sometimes, you know, people might mention medication here for sleeping, but I would say that medication for sleeping is really uh, a, um, a technique of last resort. 
And I would use sleep medication very sparingly and very rarely. It's um, Most sleep medication is addictive in one form or another, um, even the stuff that says it's not. And um, because it may not be addictive uh, through the chemicals, but it becomes behaviorally addictive in the sense that you feel like you need to take the medication in order to fall asleep, and even, even if that's not the truth. So I would stay away from sleep medications and use them only in, in rare, rare circumstances where you've tried everything else and it's just not working. So um, I hope that, that helps you know, give people some ideas for how to improve um, getting sleep uh, and, and, and maybe staying asleep better. Um, would you say um, that's the case both for over-the-counter and uh, prescribed sleep medications? Yeah, I know um I know that people like to turn to medications because they offer sort of a um a, a quick resolution to the problem of hey, I can't get to sleep. Um but uh sleep medications whether they're over the counter or prescribed um have a a really habit formation potential. Um and whether they're like I said whether they're actually addicting or not um they can they can create this um brain pathway of neurons in our, in our in our minds about this is what i need to do in order to fall asleep and it's a it's a very hard habit to break once you start um going down that road on a regular basis now if you need to take them once in a while um i'd say no more than once or twice a month i i think that's fine um but i would never get into a routine where i was taking them you know, five, six, seven days in a row. I think that's that's sort of a in in most cases that that's probably not a healthy routine to get into. There might certainly be exceptions to this, and there might be some people that absolutely need to take a sleep medication for medical reasons. Um, and I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about for for most general people. Are there any sleep myths you'd like to address? You bet. One thing is, you know, there are people and experts that have said, you know, you need to get eight hours, and that's the end-all, be-all of the, that there's a specific number of hours you must attain to in order to have a good night's sleep. And that's not true. Um, there's no specific number that's right for everyone. Um, some people will feel refreshed and only need seven hours of sleep. Other people might need eight and a half or even nine hours of sleep in order to to feel refreshed and like they they have what it takes to um to get through the next day so there there's no specific number that you that you must attain in order to um feel like you've got a good night's sleep. That number is dependent upon what works for you and uh just finding what that number is um for a person and sort of setting that number as the goal rather than some sort of um, magical eight hours a night or something like that. So that's one big myth. Um, uh, you know, being worried about waking up during the middle of the night to have to go to the bathroom or the fact that you're tossing and turning or something throughout the night, that, 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 that those things um, contribute to poor sleep. Um, they, they really don't. Research has shown that um, a lot of people, uh, most people can actually, you know, wake up in the middle of the night, go to the bathroom, uh, whatever, 
go back to bed and still get a good night's sleep. That that just the process of waking up or tossing and turning a lot throughout the night, that in itself does not mean you're not getting a good night's sleep. And it's perfectly normal to be able to do that and still go back to bed and still get enough sleep um, where you, you feel rested throughout the day. So, um, And uh, I'd say, you know, the idea that more sleep is better um, sort of ties into the, the first myth about, you know, needing eight hours of sleep um, and feeling like, well, if I get 10 or 11 hours of sleep, that must mean that, you know, I'm, I'm fantastic, um, that I'm, I'm really, you know, re-energizing my body and getting everything back to shape. That's not really the case. That's not quite how sleep works. Um, so getting the maximum amount of sleep that you can possibly get is probably not going to be more helpful than just getting whatever normal amount that you need, um, and one last myth I think I I, I, I should bring up, very important, um, and that's that you can sort of um, make up a, for a sleep deficit. Let's say you, you are only sleeping five or six hours a night throughout the week, and then if you sleep in on the weekends and get like nine or ten hours of sleep, you're kind of making up for those five or six hours that you're only sleeping throughout the week. Um, unfortunately, again, that's not really how sleep works. Um, you you can't make up a sleep deficit by sleeping more later. Um, it it just doesn't the the body doesn't uh, doesn't understand that. the The important thing for sleep is maintaining that regular routine and finding whatever that number of hours is, whether it's seven, eight, or nine, and really trying to attain that every night. With your with your regular sleep routine, um, and and maintaining that routine for as long a period as possible, um, kind of going up and down in number of hours of sleep um, throughout the week is usually not beneficial and is is actually probably contributing to um, you're not feeling rested uh, those uh, those nights that you're not getting that that minimum number of hours that you need need to sleep throughout the week. So. Those are the major myths I, I wanted to address, and I think uh, uh, hopefully put them to rest as well. So, This last question comes from one of our Facebook fans, rather a comment. Uh, Malcolm K. shares, I've not slept properly since 1974. Um, what would you say to those who are listening who have had long-term sleep difficulties and may be a bit discouraged? Well, there's a couple things. Um, one, obviously, is that that's, that's really disconcerting to hear um, when you've been uh, suffering with a problem for um, 40 years and, and you just don't see any resolution in sight. Uh, I, I can't say that necessarily listening to a podcast and, and, and putting into uh, practice any tips that we talked about today is going to solve a 40-year problem, unfortunately. Um, I, if I if that were me, I would definitely be getting myself in to see a, a sleep specialist. Um, if you have insurance, um, such specialists are usually covered um, with just the cost of a copay or whatnot. Um, and you might have to go into a sleep lab where uh, you actually spend a night sleeping uh, connected to um, sensors that help them understand what the trouble specifically is with your sleeping. 
Um, if you do see a sleep specialist and, and go into a sleep lab, um, I'd say nine times out of ten, they would be able to um, help you understand what the exact specific problems are and probably um, help provide um, uh, a resolution and treatment options that, that would help um, help fix that sleep problem. Dr. Grohal, I'm a regular visitor of PsychCentral.com, and it's one of my personal go-to sites for information on mental health topics. I was so pleased to learn that you'd be able to join us today. Thank you for being with us. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, and it's a, it's a wonderful topic to talk about because, again, sort of like eating, I think it's one of those things that we kind of take for granted. We just do, and we don't sometimes put uh, much thought into it except when things start going wrong. And um, sleep is one of those things that you can improve. Um, all you need to do is set your mind to do it and then learn some of these things that we talked about today. Um, and I think everybody can improve their sleep by putting some of these um, techniques into practice. And thank you, listeners. For more practical tips on sleep and reliable, trusted information on topics in mental health, please visit psychcentral.com. We hope you'll join us again soon for another DBSA Real Recovery Podcast. Be well. This has been a production of the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. For more information, go to www.dbsalliance.org or call 1-800-826-3632. We've been there. We can help.